Hello, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Metropolitan Report. I am your host, Alfred Parsar Jr., and for the next hour, we're going to talk about any and everything New York Mets. As you guys know, spring training is well underway. Today is Friday, March 5th, 2021, and we're going to recap spring training up until this point. Uh, we're going to talk about things we've seen, things we've liked, things we uh, we didn't like through spring training. We're also going to go more in-depth with the Francisco Lindor situation, uh, we're going to talk about some of the prospects and non-roster invitees and things that they've been doing so far in spring training throughout the course of these exhibition games. Uh, we're also going to talk about the outfield platoon and, and the pitching situation as well. So here we go. Uh, first things first, uh, the Mets this week, uh, today is an off day. Uh, they have played four spring training games so far. Uh, Monday, they opened up. Monday, March 1st, they opened up against Miami with a loss. Uh, they were shut out to two nothing. Uh, the very next day on March second, Tuesday, uh, they shut out the Houston Astros two nothing. A wild slugfest on Wednesday. Uh, they lost to the St. Louis Cardinals by the score of fourteen to nine. And then yesterday, they defeated the Washington Nationals eight to four. So um, let's talk about spring training so far. So things that we like. Um, the offense is there. Uh, we've seen guys like. Uh, Pete Alonso yesterday with that um, magnificent grand slam. Uh, we've seen power from guys who normally throughout the regular season don't display power. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, uh, he hit a shot uh, through, throughout spring training. He hit a shot yesterday in, in, in the leadoff position. Uh, first batter up that Washington faced. That ball went over the right field fence. Um, Jeff McNeil, another guy who, I mean, yeah, he hits for contact. He, he hits for average. Over 300 hitter, but he had a moonshot to right field uh, against the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. So, liking what we see so far. the The offense, the offense is there. I must admit, and you know the team, the team's clicking offensively. Although certain guys, like um, uh, Francisco Lindor, uh quiet hasn't had a hit all spring but again it's, it's only spring training um Lindor new new season new market new team got to get used to the pressure uh got to get used to his teammates I'm, I'm not going to criticize him yet but uh Jeff McNeil with a moonshot against Houston on Tuesday uh the offense looks sluggish on Monday against the Marlins but again it was the first spring training game and that game both teams look sluggish uh, the Marlins won 2-0 off of a two-run home run by Jesus Aguilar. But again, again, it, it, it's, it's, it's okay. Uh, and, that, and Brandon Nimmo is having a terrific spring. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, uh, in that first game, he had uh, two singles. Uh, and again, against Washington yesterday, he hit that, uh, he hit that, that, that terrific home run. Uh, speaking of Brandon Nimmo, you know what? Let's let's talk about the Mets outfield situation. So again, the Mets outfield situation. Uh, five guys battling for spots. We already probably know that Michael Conforto is going to be the right fielder. We know that Brandon Nimmo more than likely is going to be the center fielder. Uh, right now, tentatively, uh, in the uh, projected opening day lineup, uh, Dom Smith is the left fielder, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about Dom Smith in depth in just a second. Um, a lot of points to make about Dom Smith. And then the platoon, the bench guys, the backup guys. And it's very interesting with the Mets because they sign Albert Almora Jr. over from the Cubbies. 
Uh, they bring in Kevin Pillar, the veteran who spent all those years with Toronto. Then he, uh, he split time between Boston and Colorado last season. Uh, he had a stop in San Francisco uh, in the 2019 season. So they bring in Pilar, who is a great defensive player. And he's been having a great spring, by the way, too. Uh, let's not forget uh, that game against the St. Louis Cardinals on Wednesday. He had a he had a performance, uh, Pilar. He had a, a triple, a double, and a walk and two runs scored. And, and it's interesting because if injuries do occur and things do happen, uh, Jeff McNeil has played in the outfield previously in previous seasons. Uh, J.D. Davis, even though he's playing third base this season uh, per, uh, so far, he also has experience in the outfield. So this Mets outfield situation is is is, is pretty interesting. Um, and then the out and and these outfield guys, they're they're playing their hearts out again. We just mentioned Pilar, um, Albert Almora. Uh, he hit a moonshot over the left field fence in that same game against. Uh, the Houston Astros on Tuesday. So, uh, yeah, he's he's trying to make a case for the team, too. And Almora is an interesting guy because he's a utility player. He's battling for an outfield spot, but Almora has... There have been times he's played second base. He's a guy. And here's the thing about Albert Almora, right? You cannot win with 25 Albert Almoras on your team. But if you have 25 guys on your roster and one of them is Albert Almora, you're in good shape. He's not going to be he was a he was a fringe everyday player for the Cubs. He's not going to be an everyday player if he makes this Met team. However, he's going to be a solid guy to have on that bench. He's going to be a solid guy, real solid guy. And I mean, he's got, he's got experience. He does have a ring. He won a ring in, in Chicago in, in 2016. So he's got, he's got the, he's got a, he's got experience. And, and I believe every team needs at least one or two guys that with some championship experience. And then. Again, we we talked about Pilar. Pilar, even in the first game, uh, Pilar went one for two. So Kevin Pilar, and and the thing about Pilar, and I don't know if it's because it's the spring, and actually we can't even discount that because the starting pitcher for the Cardinals, Kim, uh, he he was on their their regular season roster last year on the Cardinals, and I believe he only lost one game last season if memory serves correct and he got waylaid by the Mets Pilar hit uh, uh, Pilar got both of his hits and the walk off of Kim so I can't even attribute this to playing minor leaguers or or inexperienced talent and he and he did well so I mean these guys they're 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 they're, 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 they're fighting for their livelihoods here uh Nimmo having a great spring Again, that first game, he had two singles. He hit the home run yesterday, so he's probably not going to go anywhere. Dom Smith made his uh, spring training debut for 2021 in yesterday's game. He didn't. He didn't do anything, but um, Dom Smith. Now we're going to get in, we're going to get in depth here. Uh, Dom Smith. Uh, he's a fan favorite at City Field. 
and I know I said this um, on Sunday here on the broadcast, he was a guy that Brody Van Wagenen, the former GM, was going to trade um, because he, he was he was a pinch hit specialist. Uh, there was one point in the season he was batting 464. He ended with a 285 average uh, injury that he sustained, um, altered his performance before he eventually went on the injured list. But Dom Smith, who uh, he was a guy um, hitting in the in in the 100s his rookie year in 20 in 2017, I, he hit 218 in in 2018, and 2019 was the breakout year, and that injury prevented him from being traded because you cannot trade an injured player in Major League Baseball, and he got hurt, and that and that injury was a blessing in disguise. Now, for those of you who don't know the history of Dominic Smith, Dominic Smith was a guy who was picked in the first round, I believe in the twenty in the 2013 draft. Yes, the 2013 draft. He was a first-round draft pick. Uh, there were heavy expectations for Dom Smith. Um, he, was, he came up in the system as a first baseman, had played first base his whole career. In the minors, amateurs, and... He was a guy that was a pull hitter, power hitter. And if you really watch early Dom Smith footage, everything he was trying to put over the fence, he was just trying to pull everything. And I guess that's why he struggled. But 2019, something just clicked. And I guess because, you know, when you're when you're in baseball and you're labeled the guy, because they did label Dom Smith the next franchise player. So I guess the pressure got to him too, and he's first baseman. Then spring training 2019 rolls around, and you know Dom Smith, a career resurgence. He had a hell of a spring training two years ago, but Pete Alonso also did, and Pete Alonso played so well he got himself on the opening day roster, which is unheard of for a rookie. And we all know the 2019 Pete Alonso had, and he was just a guy. He was a must play at first base. Pete Alonso doesn't have any secondary positions. Dom Smith also didn't have any secondary positions at that time. And then, well, in 2018, for a couple of games, uh, I believe it was a series against Colorado, injuries, the Mets didn't have a left fielder. Injuries forced them to put Dom Smith at left field for like three games. But then, when with the emergence of Pete Alonso, Dom Smith is positionless now. And you know, there's no designated hitter in the National League. Well, there was last year because of the, the, the impacted COVID season with the special rules that I hope will never happen again. And Dom Smith uh, found himself positionless. So he had to learn left field. And you know what? Speaking of that, why don't we go and listen to some comments that Dom Smith made uh, earlier in the week uh, when he was talking to reporters. Let's let's take a listen. We're, we're a very hungry team, and we're never satisfied. So I wanted to just get better in all facets of the game. You know, outfield, you know, obviously be more athletic. You know, I want to take – you know, the extra base this year, I want to run a little bit more on the bases. So um, it's just always things that you can improve on to help the team get better. And that's something that I focused on. And I feel like I just work extremely hard, um, like I do every year. And, you know, I don't really dwell on things. I don't I don't dwell. That stuff is in the past. You know, we have a new year here, 2021. And, you know, I've been in the big league since 2017, and we haven't been to the playoffs. So, you know, I'm not happy. I'm not I'm not happy at all. You know, I'm very hungry. I'm very focused. And, you know, I won't be happy and satisfied until we're walking away with that World Series win. If I'm in the lineup, I don't care where I play. Like I said, I, I take pride in defense. Obviously, uh, my left field play hasn't been great. 
But people, you know, forget that, you know, I got thrown in left field in the big leagues, which is the highest level of baseball, the hardest level. Um, I didn't realize how hard guys hit the ball until I started playing outfield, playing outfield in the big league. So um, it, it's a learning curve. It's a learning process. And I feel like, you know, I'm taking that challenge and I'm getting better and better at it. And like I said, I mean, I'm getting comfortable out there and I know that I could do it. I know. I know I could play left field, right field. I'm competitive and um, I, I believe in my ability. So I know you guys heard that. Um, let's let's break down what he said. Dom Smith, he's reminding everybody, and again, like I said previously, Dom Smith was a first baseman by trade. And I give this guy so much credit because Pete Alonso outplayed him, outshined him, took first base. So what are you going to do? Either they're going to trade you, they're going to designate you for assignment. You might be out of baseball altogether, even though I, don't, I think that's kind of drastic because... Any team would love to have a Dom Smith, in my opinion. And he went while in the majors. He didn't go back to AAA. They didn't send him down on the fly. He learned left field. And he admits that his left field play is not the best. But on the fly, he learned left field. And you know how difficult that is? He played first base his whole life. Those are two totally different positions. And it took him until the majors. And, and you heard what he said. The, the, the toughest level of, of, and most competitive level of, of professional baseball to learn a whole new position. And then also Dominic Smith said all the right things. He's, he's, he's not happy. He's been in the majors since 2017 in the same organization. He's played four seasons, 17, 18, 19, and 20. And since he's been in the majors on this team, we have not made the playoffs, and he wants the playoffs. He wants the postseason. And Dom Smith, a guy who, who's nowhere near fast, wants to work on his base running. This guy just wants to improve. He is a competitor. He wants to improve. And you know what? Even though there's a platoon battle right now, I'm keeping him in left field for his work ethic and his bat because, hey, this guy hit uh, 313 last season, the season before, 283, uh, 218 the year before, and and in the hundreds the year before that. So every season that he has played in, in Major League Baseball, in the National League, for the New York Metropolitans, for the Amazons, in Flushing, in City Field, he has gotten better. So if we're going to look for somebody to play left field, I'm sorry, Kevin Pillar. I'm sorry, Albert Almora, but I'm going Dom Smith. Dom Smith has my vote of confidence, full confidence. Uh, while we're here in this uh, outfield situation where we're talking about this outfield platoon, um, again, I mentioned Kevin Pillar. He had that uh, that great game against uh, St. Louis despite the loss. Uh, why don't we hear some comments from him? Uh, you know, when you come to a team that's uh... – you know, ready to win right now. It's something that greatly excited me um, from from the first time that we spoke. Um, it maybe took a little bit longer because this team, like I said, is trying to win. They explored every possible avenue, uh, you know, before they made the decision. But for me, just really excited to be here, be part of an organization, like I mentioned, trying to win now. I feel like that's where me as a player, um, where I'm at in my career is uh, a place I want to be. I want to ultimately go out there and win. And I feel like my 
you know, best skill set is is fit for a team that's trying to win. And you hear how Kevin Pillar is talking. Uh, of course, Pillar is a veteran. Uh, he's been around for a while. And he even said it, like, his skill set, again, defense, and he can run. Um, it's suited for uh, a team that wants to win, and he wants to win. Kevin Pillar is at the point in his career he realizes, especially with the way he's played defense, uh, scaling up walls, crashing into walls, catching fly balls, robbing home runs. He knows that that physical style of play is probably taking some years off of his career. And he's a guy that he knows that this this little run with the Mets here might uh might be his last chance at uh, uh sniffing a World Series and and that's the goal. Um Sandy Alderson uh, wants to win, Steve Cohen wants to win, the Mets the Mets front office and ownership wants to win. And they tried to put together a team. I give them credit even though we didn't get Springer and Bauer. Um, the front office tried and they're trying to put together a competitive team. They want to win and Pilar wants to win. The Mets want to win. So that's why he feels it's a match. And remember this guy again is fighting. He's trying to stave off Albert Almora for a spot in the platoon to be the, the, the backup outfielder, the guy where if Dom or Nimmo or Conforto gets hurt or just needs rest, you send Pilar out there. So, I mean, maybe that could explain his good spring. And then finally, um, and I've said this, uh, this team has four leaders. Uh, Francisco Lindor, who even though, and then hold, hold, hold it folks. Don't, 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 don't aim your, aim your weapons at me. I'll explain when we get to Lindor later on, but he's exhibited leadership qualities on the team already. Um, you heard from Luis Rojas last week in that little clip that we played. He's starting to act like a leader already. Uh, Pete Alonso, obviously. Uh, that's the captain of the infield. Uh, Jacob deGrom. He is the ace of the team. He's the best pitcher we have. And rightfully so. He is the, the leader of that pitching staff. And then the leader of the outfield. Michael Conforto, by far. By far. Uh, Conforto had a heck of a season last season, even though it was only 60 games. His 2019 was solid. And and those those 60 games he played in 2015 when we went to the World Series. Conforto was a huge part of that. And I expect big things out of Michael Conforto. And Conforto's contract is, is due up uh, this season. And I would love to see an extension. Uh, Sandy Alderson was on the Mets Nationals broadcast that was on ESPN. Uh, yesterday, and he was uh, talking with the commentary team of of Tim Kirkjian and uh, Eduardo Perez, and he told them he wants to start relatively soon uh, extension talks with Conforto, and that is the right thing to do. Conforto was drafted by the Mets, came up in our farm system, and he homegrown talent, homegrown talent, born and bred in the organization. And he, his numbers, the numbers are not, his numbers have been consistently getting better through time. Uh, he is a leadership. He's a guy in the clubhouse who's well-respected. Pay that man. Pay him. Now, I'm not saying give him an astronomical contract like Bryce Harper got from Philly. We're not talking $300 million over 10 years. I mean, I mean, even though that's 30 mil, but I would like to see Conforto, you know, lock, 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 lock him up for, for, Four years, 
four years, I would say four years and maybe 75 mil, 80 mil. It's between 75 and 80 for four years. Even if you want to go 100, 100 for four, I'm okay with that. That's 100 for four is 25 million a year. I'm, I'm okay with that. But Sandy, Mr. Cohen, make sure you secure him. As much as I want to lock up Lindor too, and believe me, Lindor is a priority, but we need to lock up Conforto as well. Uh, speaking of Conforto, uh, and, and just to hear his poise and leadership, here's what he had to say, speaking to the media uh, before the first game of the of the spring training season. The team's in great shape. Um, you know, it's it's been a pleasure for me to uh, start to meet a lot of the guys. It's, it's an interesting deal because you know in years past the the new guys I haven't really known or played against them and maybe it's just because I've been uh around a little bit longer now but it seems like everybody that that I'm meeting uh for the first time I've I've either faced or I've played against um or I you know I've heard about um you know so I think it, it also speaks to the talent that we brought in um you know I think we did a great job uh, covering a lot of areas and, um, you know, not to mention the, the new staff uh, that we have in, in front office as well. So uh, it's, it's very exciting. It's, it's, it's great to be back in this uh, beautiful facility. We didn't get to spend a whole lot of time in this new facility uh, last year, so it's been a lot of fun. I think a lot of times talent can make you complacent, um, and I think this group with the leadership that we have um, – we're not going to do that, you know. We're gonna we're gonna go out there every day, and we're gonna we're gonna work hard. Um, we're gonna earn what we get, um, and we have to do our best to go out there and win every day. And you hear the maturity in that soundbite. And again, we know Conforto's been around the organization since 2015 when he first got called up. So this is gonna be uh, his the, his sixth year in Flushing. And again, he, he's he's. He's looking forward to meeting his new teammates, the, the the ones who he may have faced but never had any conversation with other than hitting a pitch off of him. Or, you know, he hit a ground ball to him or a line out or a fly out or what have you. Or he ran past him round, rounding the bases. But that's a guy exhibiting leadership qualities. And I don't know if it's maturity from from the from when he was a rookie to now. And and, and even so, look at look at the guys he 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 he's around uh and especially in that outfield core uh in terms of the organization he has more major league experience than than Brandon Nimmo he has more major league experience than Dom Smith he's been a higher profile player a higher caliber player than that of Kevin Pillar definitely Albert Almora so It's just, I mean, yeah, he only has Nimmo beat by a year, but still. I mean, the guy's just a leader. He's, he's developed into a leader. And he's a guy who wants to win. He was the focal point of the offense last season when Pete Alonso fell asleep all year last year. So, he was the best player we had offensively last season. And I'm okay with him um, naturally becoming a leader. I have no issue. And again... Four years, $100 million. Pay the man, Sandy. Pay him.
Moving out of this uh, outfield platoon situation, uh, let's talk about uh, what we didn't like in spring training so far. So, uh, yesterday, uh, Jerry's Familia, who Met fans are very familiar with, ha <laughs> uh, you see what I did there? Familia, familiar, get it? No? Okay, anyway, uh, Jerry's Familia, who a lot of uh, Met fans have come to know over the years, he's not the same Jerry's Familia that was our closer, uh, the guy who, when he came in in, in the ninth inning, uh, you, you, you felt good that he was going to uh, lock down the win and secure the save. He's not that type of guy anymore. We traded him to Oakland and brought him back. He's not the guy who helped Oakland to that playoff push. Um, Honestly, I didn't like what I saw from Jerry's Familia. I don't know why they brought him back, but there was a at a point when he was pitching, he pitched in one inning. He threw 30 pitches to get out of the inning. That's not good. Ideally, you want to throw maybe 14, 15, 16, even 20, but anything over 20. But to go 30? And not to mention, he had a man on second and third. He had runners on second and third and struggled to get the last man out. The last batter he faced, luckily, he, he had solid contact. Luckily, it was just a pop-up that went to Luis Guillorme, but Familia has struggled. He and Edwin Diaz have struggled. We haven't seen Edwin Diaz yet this spring, but he has struggled. Historically, you would think spring training, all right, and, and again, these games don't mean anything, so I'm not panicking, I'm not... I'm not in a, in a, in a state of emergency. Uh, the alarms are not ringing off in my head. But I just don't like the way this guy looks. 2020. Uh, he, he, in almost every appearance, he was good for a walk. One walk per pitching appearance. That's not good. You're supposed to strike people out. Induce contact and get a ground ball. But don't, don't, don't put runners on base and it's just frustrating knowing what Jerry's Familia used to be and what he is now and you look at the line score he pitched an inning 30 pitches he pitched one inning 30 pitches he walked two batters the, the Nationals did a double steal because the man on first, man on second, and a double steal put him on second and third. But it's just... It, I, I'm beside myself because it wasn't a solid outing. Now, maybe we'll see him again in this, this spring, and he'll... He may, he may just be okay. He may have a decent performance. And I could be wrong. And if Jerry's Familia appears again this spring, which he probably will, because he's going to be on the roster, but if Jerry's Familia can put together a, 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 a solid portfolio the rest of this spring, I'll eat my words. And I know you, the listeners out there, will, will hold me to that. Granted, he didn't give up a hit, but he put two runners on for free. Now, we want to talk about what we didn't like. Dylan Batances. Oh, Lord Jesus. 
this game was just terrible for him. He also pitched one inning. Uh, he gave up four runs on two hits and also walked two. Didn't get, didn't strike out anybody and gave up a home run. The Dylan Batances we knew on the New York Yankees. When we heard last season that the Mets acquired Dylan Batances, we were like, okay, Edwin Diaz struggled in 2019. Maybe Batances, you're either going to be the setup man or you're, you're going to be the closer. Didn't didn't live up to expectations last season. And his first outing this spring, he stunk. I mean, if you look at the box score, he's the winning pitcher of record. But that's only because he was the pitcher that was in the game when the Mets took the lead and never looked back. But that's a horrible line. All four national runs came off of Betances. Four runs on two hits, and he walked two. I'm 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 sorry. That that's that's that that's unacceptable. So I mean that's 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 just not good. That's not good. I could get into the St. Louis loss, but guys who I know won't be on the opening day roster was why those 14 runs were given up. So I'm not I'm not going to get into that. Same thing in the Miami loss. But Batances, a shell of himself. This is not the Dylan Batances that 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 we saw in the Bronx. This is not the Dylan Batances we saw in Yankee Stadium. This is not lights out Dylan Batances. I'm sorry. And I like Dylan Batances. He's a local kid. He's from Washington Heights. He played high school ball. Uh, in New York City, Grand Street Campus. I've known about him for a very long time, following local baseball, New York City. But he and Jerry's familiar. And then we haven't even seen Edwin Diaz this spring. Lord only knows what we're gonna what we're gonna see out of this guy. I'm hoping Edwin Diaz, we get the Edwin Diaz from 2018 when he was on the Seattle Mariners and led all of Major League Baseball in saves. I'm not going to criticize Edwin yet because we haven't seen him so far this spring, so I'm going to leave it alone. But I need Batances and Familia. Guys who Brody Van Wagenen from the last regime brought back, brought in, paid him handsomely. I need to see more. Not, not even more. I need to see better outings out of both men. Granted, Familia didn't give up any runs, but he didn't strike anybody out, and he walked two. And those two runners did a double steal, got on second and third. All it would have took was a wild pitch. If this was the regular season, game number whatever of 162. Matter of fact, if this was a game in, in August or, or September, and we're fighting for a playoff spot, and he had a performance like this. He wouldn't get much more many more chances if I was a manager. You don't strike anybody out. You walk two, double steal second and third, one out. All it takes is a sacrifice fly from the next batter up. Uh, a wild pitch or a pass ball. A ground ball even. That's, a, that's one run. The Mets had a decent offseason. I will give them that. 
We have yet to see Trevor May. I think Trevor May is going to be a good addition. But we have yet to see him pitch this spring. Seth Lugo's hurt. We don't know when he's coming back. But if our bullpen opening day, Dylan Batances playing like this, Jerry's familiar pitching like this. Imagine when we have to play the Atlanta Braves and we got to see Ronald Acuna Jr., Marcelo Zuna, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, Ender Enciarte. Oh, and let's not forget the reigning National League MVP, Freddie Freeman. If they see Jerry's familiar on that mound when they walk up to the plate, or Batances the way he pitched in this game yesterday, they are going to salivate, they are going to have fun, and they will crush us. The Philadelphia Phillies? If if Gene Segura or Scott Kingery or Andrew McCutcheon or Bryce Harper or JT Real Muto, if any of those guys walk up to the plate and see Jerry's Familia or, or Dylan Batances on the mound, you don't think they're going to be like, oh yeah, you don't think they're going to be happy to take that at bat? These are dangerous offenses, folks. We can't just rely on DeGrom. The relievers are going to have to pitch at some point. We're playing in the National League East. There are some dangerous offenses in this division. The Washington Nationals. Juan Soto. Victor Robles? Brian Zimmerman? Kyle Schwarber is now a Washington National? You don't think he's gonna he, he's gonna have fun looking forward to facing these guys out of the pen? But before we get off the topic of, of pitching performances that we that, that that we saw so far in the first week of spring. Listen, I'm going to end this on a positive note. Jordan Yamamoto was supposed to start the second game of the spring against the Astros. Marcus Stroman ended up starting because, you know, Rojas, uh, he talked Rojas into putting him in the lineup. Okay. And Stroman looked good. He pitched two innings, two solid innings, and he did well. Two solid innings from 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 Marcus. I'm not I'm not mad at what I saw at all. Two scoreless shutout innings, two no hit innings. He didn't walk anybody and he struck out two. Uh, Jordan Yamamoto battling for that for that fifth uh, uh, starting pitcher spot because the first four are already taken. In this particular order, at least in my opinion, I, I project the, the starting rotation opening day to be uh, DeGrom 1, Cookie Carrasco 2, Marcus Stroman 3, Taiwan Walker 4, and it's between Joey Lucchesi, David Peterson, and, and Yamamoto for the fifth spot. And Yamamoto, although he gave up two hits, he struck out one, he didn't walk anybody. Jerry Blevins, uh, 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 a former Met, 
brought back on a, on a non-roster invite to spring training. And I've always liked Jerry Blevins. He looked good, only gave up one hit, walked one and struck out one. So that's a bright spot. So there's not there's not a not too not too bad. Not too bad. So I'm not I'm not bashing uh I'm not I'm not bashing um all the pitchers on on this ball club. Uh David Peterson also battling for that uh fifth uh starting pitcher spot in the rotation. Pitched two innings, only gave up a hit. He didn't walk he, he didn't walk anybody, but he didn't strike anybody out either. He just had decent stuff. So it remains to be seen. I mean, for the fifth spot, I'm leaning toward David Peterson only because he was on the ball club last season. Lucchesi, we haven't seen him this spring. I don't know how he's going to perform in the orange and blue, and I can't see them. I think Yamamoto ends up in the pen, maybe a long relief guy. I, I, I can't picture him starting for the Mets, but I can picture David Peterson. David Peterson has has long been a prized prospect in the Mets organization. And he got the call last season and he, he, he played some decent ball last year. Moving on. The star acquisition, the blockbuster trade. It's old news by now, but we know uh, Francisco Lindor is here. He is a Met. Now... I said earlier they should extend Conforto. You got to extend Lindor. And I'm going to tell you why you got to extend Lindor. Francisco Lindor. This guy is a once in a generational player. Is he Fernando Tatis Jr.? No. But he holds career averages. Well, career stats. He, uh, a 285 batting average in baseball. Hall of Famers get in averaging 300. He's not far from 300. 138 home runs. Okay, that's not bad for, for a shortstop who only who shows flashes of power here and there. Runs batted in his 411. Now that now some people may say that's low, but you also got to think logically when you're when you're talking baseball. Lindor. If you pay attention or if you've watched baseball in the American League, if you've watched the Cleveland Indians, Lindor always batted at the top of the lineup. Either he was the leadoff guy or he hit second. In baseball, when you're at the top of the lineup, you don't you don't really get a chance for RBIs. If you're the leadoff guy, who who are you driving in? The RBI machines are the guys who bat three, four, five, and even six. So, I mean, Lindor, he's been in the league since 2015, same amount of time as as Michael Conforto. And in in five seasons, well, six, because 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So in six seasons, there he's been an all-star four times. There was no all-star game last year. So technically, if you want to just say five seasons, he was an all-star four out of five times. two-time gold glove award winner silver slugger so he can hit and he's a leader he is a leader miguel rojas has said it he's a uh if you don't believe me go back to last week's metropolitan report 
Listen to the soundbite. Uh, he's a guy. He, he he's who has said that he he looks forward to getting to know his teammates. They asked him about being a leader because he was a leader in Cleveland. Yeah, sure. They had Shane Bieber, Josh Naylor, Jose Ramirez. But he was a leader of that clubhouse in Cleveland. And he's even said it. Like, go listen to his introductory presser when he came to the Mets back in January. He wants to be a leader, but he's also going to take his time because he's new here. But you know what? Don't take my word for it. Uh, Let's hear what uh, Francisco Lindor had to say right before the Mets took the field for the first time this spring uh, when they played Miami. Uh, in this past couple of days, they've been good. Um, everybody seems nice. Everybody that I talked to has been really nice and and joyful to talk to. Today was the first day we took the field as, as a team, and it was fun. It was fun to be around the guys, to see what everybody's got, and the work ethic I've been seeing from the guys have, have been really, really good. You know, I, the only thing that makes you want to do is elevate your game and get better. Um, like I said earlier, um, I have heard nothing but good things about this group of guys, and I just want to be a, a piece of their, their puzzle. Go about my business the right way on a daily basis, and hopefully I, I earn their trust, and and then eventually I'll be able to, to say more things. You know, just ask questions right now, um, get to know them. Um, they they help me um, accommodate myself. Um, in the clubhouse and find the fields right now. I barely know where the fields are. I don't. I I didn't even know where my BP was today. So you know, so everybody tells me where to go. Um, we'll see. I don't know. I don't have a um, a, a guideline of how to be become a leader, and I don't have a timetable of like I got to be the leader of the team by April or by end of March or July. You know, I just go about my business the right way and the daily basis and. Uh, Hopefully that's good enough, and if I end up being the leader of the team, you know that's it is what it is. I just I go out there and work as hard as I can to to win. And I know you all heard that. He doesn't have a timetable of of when he's going to be a leader. Uh, whatever happens, it happens. But he's going to be a leader. Trust me. Um, he's already starting to to get along with his teammates. He didn't have anything negative to say. If, well, even if he did think anything negative. He wouldn't have said it in the presser. Um, but you heard what he said. His teammates are helping him get acclimated. They're, they're, he didn't even know where BP was before the game, and and they helped him out. Um, he's already become a, a fan favorite because I know you guys have seen social media. Uh, he wore the same Mets jacket that, that, that they wore in uh, Coming to America. I don't know where he got that jacket from. I haven't been able to find that online. Um, and then, like, he's just an all-around likable guy. Always smiling, always pleasant, always seemingly in a good mood. And again, the guy the guy came from Cleveland. He was the leader of that clubhouse. He was the leader of that team. When you thought of the Cleveland Indians between 2015 and 2020, you, you said, ah, that's, that's Francisco Lindor and those boys. Yep, that's what you said. Uh, as far as the extension talk. The accolades, the numbers speak for themselves. I don't think you can find another Francisco Lindor. You want to talk about shortstops in Major League Baseball. Right now, I say the best shortstop is uh, Fernando Tatis. Now, he had that great rookie season 2019. Um, had Pete Alonso not skyrocketed to, to the heights that he did. 
Tatis would have been my rookie of the year in 2019. But Tatis had a solid 2020, although shortened, but he was a key component of why San Diego is now known as Slam Diego. But when you look at the rest of the shortstops in the league, on prominent teams, the World Series champion uh, uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, Corey Seager. Lindor is better than Corey Seager. Uh, you want to look at uh, Washington? I, I think I think he's better than Trey Turner. The only notch Trey Turner has over over Lindor is speed. I I'm, Yankee fans will will dislike me for this, but I I would take Lindor before I take Labor Torres. You 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 look at uh, St. Louis, the Cardinals, Paul DeYoung. I'm taking Lindor over Paul De, Paul DeYoung. As much as I love Tim Anderson on the Chicago White Sox, he hits for average, yes. Was a batting champion. But I'm taking Lindor over Tim Anderson. I'm taking Lindor over Gene Segura. Honestly, I feel like we I feel like we robbed the Indians. If if I'm being very blunt and very honest, we robbed the Cleveland Indians. Because Lindor is a massive upgrade over Rosario. I personally think Francisco Lindor is the third best shortstop in baseball today. Tatis one, Carlos Correa on the Houston Astros two, and Francisco Lindor is a close third. And if you want to ask me who rounds out the top five, Javi Baez in Chicago. And Trevor Story in Colorado, and that's the story I'm sticking to. And there's not much of a difference between Lindor and Correa. Correa just has more power in his swing. But I, but but you you could interchange Correa and Lindor really if you want to, because it's not much of a of a difference. But I think they should lock him up. Now, do they give him Tatis money? Absolutely not, because that's an enormous contract. Now, unlike other sports, baseball doesn't have a salary cap. However, I think, and if I had to be Sandy Alderson, and I'm the guy with the checkbook, and I have to sit down at the negotiating table with Francisco Lindor, this is what I would give him. I'm going to give him five years at $120 million. That works out to an average of about $24 million a season. And I'm going to give him a player option in years four and year five. So I'm going to give him not one, but two player options. That way, if he wants to leave in two different time spans, he has the option to go if he's unhappy. Because the last thing you want is a guy who is a, a locker room leader, a clubhouse leader, and he's a malcontent. It's the last thing you want. Even though I don't know what could possibly happen to make him a malcontent unless the team loses and has a, or has a bad culture. Or he just doesn't like the market, whatever. But you give him two chances to get out. But that's what I'm going to give him. If I was Sandy Alderson and Steve Cohen with the checkbook, and we had to sit down at the negotiating table with Lindor. That's what I'm giving him. The guy has got the accolades. He's got the reputation. 
He he doesn't have a history of off-field issues. He is a guy who can be the face of your team. You know what you could do with that smile? You can market that smile. Market it to the kids. And I know when you when you see a lot of day games, you, you see a lot of kids. His jersey is a bestseller. He has the he's only been a member of the roster for two months. And he has the best selling Mets jersey of anybody on the active roster. Conforto and Pete Alonso don't even come close. You you think I'm you think I'm wrong? Go on fanatics.com. You'll see. I'm not joking. He really does have the best-selling jersey out of anybody on the team. More, He moves more jerseys than Pete. He's moving more jerseys than DeGrom. I'm going to get a Lindor jersey real soon. It will be a mistake, a mistake, to let Francisco Lindor go after this season. Especially if you let him walk and get nothing in return. So, Mr. Cohen, Mr. Alderson, don't let him get away. Lock up Conforto and lock up Francisco. He's he's already liked in the clubhouse. You heard the soundbite last week. Rojas likes the guy. His teammates seem to be taking to him. And obviously, he, he's a face of the team because for those of you who, who watched the ESPN broadcast yesterday when they played the Nationals, in the first inning, in the in the bottom of the first, who did they have mic'd up doing a live interview from the dugout? Francisco Lindor. The once-in-a-generational talent. And he's still young. Lock him up. And again, give him two player options so that way, just like the just like the Dodgers gave Bauer those those two those two player options, give give Lindor the option. That way, if he if he if he becomes a malcontent or or he just doesn't want to be in New York anymore, he can go. He's earned he his accolades and his stats have earned him the right. Granted, he's never been an MVP, but again, in a league where your MVPs are usually typically going to be your power hitters. Look around the league. What other shortstops do you know that could that are good as Lindor? Some people, and again, Yankee fans will kill me, but I don't think Glaber Torres is is, is 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 a Francisco Lindor caliber player. Definitely not Corey Seager. Not Trey Turner. You could make the argument for Trevor Story, but Trevor Story plays in Colorado. Coors Field is a hitter's park. So that contributes to the success because he's home more than he's away. Just think about that. And Rosario was good. I like the Med Rosario. But again, I feel like we robbed the Indians. And again, this guy's got the pedigree. He's got the caliber. You know what? What I said earlier? Switch it. I put I put uh I put Lindor tied with Carlos Correa. So he's essentially second best shortstop in all of baseball. Only per only shortstop I'm picking over him if I had to pick a shortstop of anybody in the league today 
would be Tatis Jr. So pay Lindor. Likeable guy, leader, no off-field issues, never had a controversial moment in the sport yet. He's, he's highly thought of, well-liked. Again, he's played six seasons in this league. One year didn't have an all-star game last season because of COVID. So out of five years of eligibility, he was a, he was an all-star four times. He's got the defensive pedigree. He can hit. He was a silver slugger two years straight. Pay the man. It's not like he's past his prime. Pay him. And and honestly, this should be a pri- this should be a priority. If I'm Alderson and Cohen, I'm gonna lock up Lindor by at least at least June the latest. Maybe if you want to see how he's going to do and handle the pressures and the bright lights of, of the New York market, of the bigger market, give let give him two months to see what he can do. But if by the time June rolls around and June uh, comes and goes by and he's not extended yet, mistake, 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 mistake. Because if you wait that long and you don't lock him up, he may get the impression and, and the fans will get the impression and the media, like us, we're going to get the impression that you don't want him. And that's where I'm going to leave this edition of the Metropolitan Report. Five years, $120 million. Player options in the last two years. And if you don't lock him up, that's a mistake. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, the only thing left to say is, let's go Mets. <laughs>